Hello, bonjour, hello, hi, heya, and previet, hockey fans. Welcome to the Europuck Podcast, the show where two Brits talk all things European hockey as part of the Hockey Podcast Network. If you want to keep updated on all of the latest news, scores, or standings from across the European hockey world, you want to get some insight from some very interesting guests discussing their stories with hockey and how the sport grows around in Europe in different interesting places, or if you want to keep updated with all of the leagues across Europe that are either playing, have been suspended, cancelled, delayed indefinitely, then do check out our latest episodes of the Europuck podcast every Friday as part of the Hockey Podcast Network. We have a YouTube channel, the Europuck Podcast, and you can listen to us wherever else you get your podcasts. So check us out every Fridays and we'll see you there, folks. to the Florida Hockey Podcast, Justin Bedford alongside Noah Russo, and today we're joined by special guest Jacob Barker, OHL Regional Scout for Dauber Prospects, and 2020 Hockey Fest London semi-finalist, Jacob Barker. How you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm great, Justin. How are you? Doing all right, doing all right. How are things over there? I assume you're in London right now. I'm not. I'm still in uh, the Niagara region. This are you actually, your morning. room's red in Niagara? Yes, it is. See that Ottawa flag back there? We won the cup 1927, coming up on 100 years since our last <laughs> cup. So uh, really looking forward to that anniversary. Hoping we don't win one and mess up the tradition there, but we'll see what happens. You probably will. Probably will. Things are going well for the team. Uh, Noah, how are you doing this week? I'm good. Almost done with school. Still got one assignment left that's due on uh, the 22nd, but it's a group project. I'm not too worried. Uh, actually worried. I My course evaluations are due like on Sunday. I haven't, I've only done one out of four and they take a lot of time. So I'm kind of getting a little nervous about that. Well, I'm sure you'll nail it and I'm sure your group will carry you in this group project <laughs> as is tradition with you. <laughs> um, but yeah, it actually, we, we planned on having uh, Barksy on this podcast for a while now, and it just so happens Barksy's a an Ottawa Senators fan, which works out really nicely because the Panthers have just signed Anthony DeClaire, former Ottawa Senator. Uh, Jacob, can you tell us your thoughts on this signing for the, for the Panthers and what they can expect 
from from Anthony. Yeah, um, for, first and foremost about him, like he's always been this guy that has had a ton of talent, but hasn't quite been able to put it all together in the right spot. Um, we saw a glimpse of it last year in Ottawa. Uh, he, he had an unreal start to the season. Like in December, I'm pretty sure, yeah, he had 21 goals going into January uh, in, 30, in 30 games, which you, you can't – sorry, it's 21 and 40, I mean. So he's about half a goal a game at that point, which is unreal. That's top, top six material at that point. Uh, he was projected to be kind of a guy that's going to make three or $4 million on a three-year deal kind of thing. But um, in the second half of the season, I don't really know what happened to him, but he just completely lost his confidence, scored two goals in the months of January, February, and March combined. Uh, so he really fell off in the second half. So um, that kind of is a little glimpse at what his career has been like kind of in a season. Like if you were to summarize it up, uh, lots of ups and downs. Uh, hasn't been able to find a consistent home, but I still think that that's a really solid sign-in for Florida. It's it's low-risk, high-reward, uh, especially with the term that they got, just a one-year 1.7 mil, considering he was asking for like $5 million from Ottawa like a few months ago. Uh, he represented himself. Bold move. Uh, yeah, that, that was an interesting one. But um, considering that's what he was asking from Ottawa, to get him at 1.7 for one year in Florida is amazing. I think um, he's he's a guy that, he he has the talent again. Slide into the top six uh, if he if he starts to produce, he'll he'll be a high impact player. Uh, he's super exciting, like fun to watch. Will produce, but uh, if he if he continues in the inconsistent kind of trend that he's been on, then maybe you get a bottom line guy. But at the end of the day, it's one year. It's one point seven mil. If he pans out, great. If he doesn't, he doesn't. So I, I think it's a good sign in for Florida. And yeah, that's that's my thoughts. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I would probably want $5 million too to play in Ottawa, uh, that well, market. The tax, it's pretty much the same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it works out to about $1.7. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I like this signing, too, just because the Panthers, like, they lost a couple big names in their top six this year, and they didn't really seem like they had, like, a plan to replace that, that kind of offense production. So, if – declare can come in for a low cost and at least do something and provide like, even if he comes in and provides like 15 goals, 30 points, like, which isn't great, but like, you know, at that price point, like I think it's good value. Uh, I looked at a lot of his like underlying metrics too. And pretty much what that kind of illustrates that he's really great offensively and creating obviously his uh, finishing ability uh, kind of came down closer to average towards the the last half of the year, but his defensive play was not great. But that also could have just been Ottawa as a whole. Like I don't know, I didn't really watch Ottawa a whole bunch last year, um, because why? So, I watched them enough. It wasn't pretty, so it could have been an Ottawa thing. But it also, I I can attest, he's not known for his defensive play either. So it's probably a mix of both. Yeah, like I don't think we're going to expect Mark Stone or Patrice Bergeron out of him. No, I, I really wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be counting on that. And I mean, it's also good. Like he's a guy uh, where Bill Zito will have experience with him from Columbus. Bobrovsky would as well. So would Wenberg, Nodavara. I mean, basically the Panthers are turning into Columbus from like two years ago. 
And Duclair just absolutely thrived on that Columbus team too, eh? With Tortorella. Really responded <laughs> to that coaching. Tortorella and Duclair just have that connection that you just want out of a coach-athlete relationship. Yeah. Drew Bobrovsky and all those guys have just such pleasant memories, eh? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure it's going to work out really well. And I don't know, like, when Duclair was in Chicago, was that when Quenville was coach or was that after? Oh, I don't remember, to be honest. It's hard to say he's bounced around quite a bit. He started off with the Rangers – and then awesome. made his way to Arizona. And then from Arizona to Chicago. Was he yeah. not? Yeah, he was yeah, he was Rangers first. Yeah, he Rangers. played he played a few seasons in Arizona, Chicago for only half a year, and then Columbus for half a year, and then Ottawa for Yeah, so I don't think Quenville was still there. He was in Chicago at the end of the 2017-2018 season. I think that might have been Quenville's last one. Maybe, yeah. So then he w- he would have coached him, so he'll he'll know the player. Yeah. I'll see if I can look up uh, Quenville's record at that point. Uh, like he's been around a while. Quenville was definitely oh, yeah. around in Chicago, but at that time, Quenville was. He didn't get fired until 2019. Yeah. So he. Because this yeah, is, so he's starting his second year with uh w- with Florida. Yeah. So Quenville's got some experience with him. He, he'll know what he's getting. Yeah, which is kind of like the whole theme of like the Panthers this offseason was just bring in guys that you know. Yeah. And Radko Gudis, you know. Love that. Love that signing. Yeah, I mean, you, you need a guy like that. If you want to move back to some 90s hockey, that's what you want right there. Well, it's kind of that mix of that 90s hockey mixed in with that modern day smooth skating defenseman. Jump into the play. Such an offensive threat. <laughs> he anytime, yeah, you 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 gotta know when Radko's on the ice, right? You know he's just gonna be joining the play the whole time. It's gonna be he's tough. Good. He's gonna be paired with like if he's paired with like Keith Yandel, and they'll both just be in on the four check, <laughs> and no one back. <laughs> it's gonna be fantastic. It's <laughs> it's gonna work out great for the team. But yeah, like I'm I'm stoked about the Duclair signing just because like. We also we did our projected like rosters like two or three episodes ago, and it was like not pretty. Top six was terrifying, and bottom six was like whatever. But I think bringing in Duclair can definitely like help stir that up a little. And I, I, we don't want to take the credit for Duclair coming, but like y- you guys heard it on our episode, we sold pr- we sold Florida pretty hard to him, like it's it's hard to imagine he that was not the turning point in his decision to come to Florida. Yeah, like we can't prove that he listened to that episode, but we also can't prove that he didn't listen to it. Like he might have. And so, I, yeah, like we won't take all the credit, but we'll take like most of it. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. It'll be enough. Take like a 60-40, I would say. It's probably a fair fair ratio for that. Yeah, yeah, most likely fair. Yeah, it's probably. I'm fair. sure Bobrovsky was the other forty as well. That's probably what it was. Yeah, he and Bobrovsky are probably pretty tight. I could see them being just really good pals. <laughs> Somehow, Bobrovsky's just such a chill guy. <laughs> so down with like youth, and yeah. so in touch with the young, the uh, young athletes coming into the league. 
Yeah, I imagine they're they're best friends. Them and Alexander Wenberg, they're just going to be having a blast down there in Florida. <laughs> the squad. Um, but yeah, Barksy, the main reason we we had you on this week is because we got the World Juniors coming up. You're a big prospects guy. Uh, obviously, a different kind of tournament this year with it being a bubble. It's not off to a great start with Team Germany. Eight yeah, what's, uh, what's Team Germany trying to do there from your, uh, your your scouting perspective there, Jacob? Are they just trying to see if they can get as many positive tests and just not have to lose any games in the tournament? Like, is that is that really the tactic here? Or is this it, a misdirection? It looks like it looks like Germany is like really just trying to just get auto relegated and not have to play Canada. It, it looks like when that's the strategy they're going. Uh, real real talk though, I do have a source for this exact topic here that I'll I'll, I'll get here one one sec. Um, reliable source from Germany from one of my dog uh, dauber guys here. Um, Germany started their own bubble on December 6th and players had to do testing in their own city before arriving. And then they got tested every single day until they got on the plane to Edmonton. And all of a sudden they get to Edmonton and there's eight positive tests on the team. I don't know what's going on with that. I'm dead serious with that though. Like that's like a hundred percent of trust. I can trust worthy swords. I don't know what's going on. Man, that, that raises a lot of questions. I don't yeah. know what happened from this flight till then, unless they weren't tested properly or unless they had positive tests, but they were like, whatever, we'll keep going. I Is there know. any chance that these Edmonton tests were false positives? Could be. Like, I don't I don't think like we could say for sure. Like, we're, we're I mean, just, like, Eight, eight false positives in one team seems like really high considering no other team I think tested positive other than Sweden who had two like staff team staff yeah. that tested positive. Well, it's team Sweden had a lot of guys test positive before. Exactly. So I'm not surprised about Sweden in that case, but I just, we hadn't had any reported out of Germany with the exception of Lucas Reichel and a couple other guys beforehand. But other than that, we didn't get any positive tests. It's just, it's an odd number. Like, even, like, source aside, just the fact that there's eight of them, that's just very, like, that's a huge number coming yeah. out. And, like, the scary part, like, if it's eight of them, like, did it spread over more of them and they just haven't developed symptoms yet or it hasn't, like, settled in yet? Like, this Germany team could be in trouble, depending on... I assume there'll be, there'll be an investigation. I mean, at least, like from a certain at a certain point like by the iihf like if if what you say is true and that like the german hockey federation was doing all this and then they just kind of show up it's like the iihf has to investigate just did something actually happen on the flight or something i have yeah. i have no idea i'm sure the double ihf is gonna try to work through this whatever way they can in that case, I know for a fact that the IIHF has stated that they would they will go ahead with this tournament as long as there's a minimum of eight teams that are good. So in, in the event that Germany actually is unable to participate in this tournament, uh, it's not the end of the World Juniors. It just probably means that like that Pool A will just play a little round robin with the four teams and then all of them will make the playoffs and then they'll uh, they'll go from there. And then, so so if if Germany does get eliminated, does that mean they're automatically relegated? In your opinion, 
That is an excellent think? question that I don't have the answer to. I would assume so. That is the only like fair way. In yeah. Because they're basically forfeiting the tournament at that point due to due to like insufficient players and things. You could make the case. I don't know. Like I feel like the the German like hockey association could like make an argument around that, like saying that it's like unforeseen circumstances. Like, I don't know how much it'll hold because, like, it's technically their fault that they had this many cases. But also, like, you could make the argument that it's not their fault. Like, it's unforeseen circumstances. Like, you couldn't have seen this coming. Uh, like, I, I don't know. I feel like it's not going to be a clean process. It's going to be messy. It's going to be a lot of debate around it. But I'm really hoping that the German team, like, they're quarantined till the 24th. I'm hoping that they get through this so we don't have to worry about that whole process i think they've got a dangerous couple games right after because they've got finland on the 25th and canada on the 26th so that's going to be a quick like there are they they, what is their quarantine kind of going by is they're not allowed to be on the ice i assume are they allowed to have off ice workouts i don't think so i I like at some point you're making these these kids quarantine for seven days before they start playing like at some point it's a safety risk and congratulations, you've got the Finnish team and the Canadian team on back-to-back days right after you're done your quarantine. Yeah, that's awesome. Exactly. I mean, I, I'm just saying at some point, it's it's just better to just rip the Band-Aid off and get rid of them. Yeah. I'll see. I'm, I'm just looking up right now really quick what the IHF released in terms of um, events here. It says... Uh, Team Germany will remain in quarantine until 24th of December. Team Sweden's in quarantine until the 21st with the exception of players and staff who are exempt from serving a longer quarantine period based on previous PCR positive COVID-19 test. Oh, so guys that have tested positive in the past, uh, they have a, they have a personal immunity and no threat to infection of, of, of infection to others. So they are, considered to be like kind of immune yeah no literally so they're i they released a list i'll see if i can find it but um sweden's got like seven guys or something that can all uh that are able to do things but the rest of the team is until 21st uh but yeah germany it looks like germany's stuck there till the 24th and it doesn't look like they're able to do off ice or anything like that so uh we will see what happens um the other thing too like when we talk like you're talking about like auto relegation with like team Germany, which is like, Hey, I, I don't think they would be relegated if they were healthy and like can play. Cause right. like they have some good players, but like, let's say the team that had like all these cases was like USA or like Canada, a team where like, you know, they're not going to be relegated. Like, what do you do in that position? I think that's where it gets really messy. That's a great observation. Cause are you really going to Canada to D one a like, <laughs> That's a disaster waiting to happen. You're, like not even just from like a, like not even just from like a like. They lose so much money. Like yeah, they just from a competitive perspective, like financials. Like, are you really gonna relegate Canada? Like, you, no, you can't just do that. Well, like, you know what they could do. Do they have a Div One A this tournament this year? No, no. they canceled every so, other tournament. So, is anybody even gonna get relegated this year? Technically, there still should be, but I guess maybe. But then, who would be coming up? No, right? Nobody's you know, getting promoted. They can't I guess relegate. Maybe there are no relegations. Maybe oh. it's conceded today. Today, Mighty, that sucks because like Austria is going to get really bad after one year. Oh yeah, 
Marco yeah. Rossi. Mind you, they have one kid. I don't know if you want to talk about it later. But no, let's talk about it right now. Yeah. <laughs> hey, there's one kid on that Austrian team. Let me find him. Uh, I just got to find his name. Marco Casper. Oh, Are yeah. You this guy? 16-year-old. He's an 04. So he's not draft eligible, I believe, till 2022. And he is already – he's too good for the Austrian system. So they've got him playing in Sweden right now in the J20. So a respectable league right now as a 16-year-old. He's got two goals so far this season. He tore up the under-18. He was over a point per game in the U18, so he got called up to the U20. So this is a guy that, like, low-key, like, obviously playing against the U20. Like, you're playing against 20-year-olds. It's going to be tough for him. But in terms of, like, guys that can maybe, maybe help Marco Rossi out a little bit, like guys that have a little little bit more of that high end talent or just some some potential there, like that that's someone that could really benefit that Austrian team. Just be like a sneaky good player to watch in this tournament. Like tons of high he's he's not small, like he's sixteen, but he's six feet. Like he's he's not gonna be like overpowered by these guys. It's just how much experience does he have playing against guys of this height and like is it is it gonna be or of this level? And uh, is he going to be able to kind of hold his own? It's going to be a good test for sure. It'll be fun to yeah. watch. Oh, yeah. Definitely, definitely got to keep an eye on. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, going over – I guess we'll go over the groups now. Uh, looking at Group A and Group B, what teams do you think are going to be coming out of, of both? And what are some players to kind of watch from each team uh, that you think fans should be looking out for to, to do something great? Yeah, I mean, I think Pool A is pretty straightforward. Like, I, I mean, think Germany uh, might not even play. Uh, yeah, like <laughs> let's assume <laughs> let's assume Germany plays. Let's assume Germany plays. Also, I just I did read that the IIHF is uh, currently reviewing um, the pre-competition schedule, and then they're looking at potentially revising the schedule depending on what's going on with with Germany. Uh, so we could see some postponements. Uh, to later, which I'm sure will be fun to work through. Because obviously, uh, oh, obviously, yeah, you'd like, obviously, you'd like to prioritize having Germany in the tournament. Like, and yeah. the only reason why you wouldn't is just because, like, you absolutely cannot. Like, you're gonna do everything you can to have them in the tournament. Oh, abs- absolutely! Like, there, it should be like last possible resort. They have to exactly leave. last possible yeah. resort. Like, they're gonna look to to either like they could they could postpone. Yeah, all they have to do is postpone, in my mind, like you postpone that Finland game from the 25th to a little bit later. They start. It's still a quick turnaround. I get it from 24th to 26th to play Canada, but it's better to get at least one day of maybe some on ice activity, and then they they kind of get thrown to the wolves there. But like that, that might work. But in terms of the Group A, like I would say, Canada barring an upset to Finland uh, should top the group. Uh, the Finnish team looks good though. I think they've got a lot of uh, like obviously, I'm sure we'll talk about Canada later on because they're they're the the favorite. Yeah, we'll bring in and yeah. So I'll, I'll kind of skip over them for now. Um, but Finland's solid, like sneaky good team. I, I think that Joel Blomqvist is going to have a great tournament uh, for Finland if he gets a net because um, it should be his. But I mean, like Rupi Tapanen, like I I like him as well from Espoo. Uh, like I think. There's a, there's a couple as well, but like Joel and Blomqvist could definitely put up some good performances for for Finland, and then just sneaky good players like 
Anton Lindell, the Florida Panthers prospect. Two two Panthers prospect actually on this. Casper uh, Pudio, squad. Yeah. Like they've got a few defensemen. Like yeah, Pudio's there. Um, Toby Niemela. Uh, who uh, who else we got here? Yeah, Ruben Rafkin, Emil Vero. Like they're they're not bad. Like obviously not as stacked. Like Canada should still top the group, but. Uh, like Anton Lindell, who didn't play in last year's World Juniors, which uh, due to injury, which was uh, too bad because I feel like that could have helped his draft stock, has been off. We're too. okay. We're not complaining. Yeah, we're, we're not, not complaining. complaining. Don't, we're not don't, com- yeah, I wouldn't complain, Panthers fans, because you, you guys got to steal with that one. But um, like, I think he's going to have an unreal tournament. I think this is a really big opportunity for him. He's had a great start to the Liga. And um, like, I'm, I'm a little nervous for that as a Canadian fan. Just because I'm like he, he's a top end talent in this pool, and he is one like he's the he's the best player on this Finnish team, he, and he's got some help too. That's the thing, like he's he's good. But then like Robbie Jarvantiak, the Sens prospect, has had a great start to the Liga as well. He's got 12 or 13 goals. Like that's a guy that can help out. Uh, Ronnie Hirvonen can help out. Like Akurati, like all all these guys that I- are. That, you you name a guy in Aturati that like it's not absolutely Atu. needs to perform in this tournament. It's not Atu, it's Aku. Aku. Yeah, is that the, the guy one. that's Atu got one? cut. 2021 guy got cut. Oh, he did. Yeah, Aku's his older brother. Ah, okay. Atu's uh, he's drafted already. Yeah. Uh, Atu is the one in 2020. Atu's not drafted. Yeah. Atu is not drafted. He's draft eligible this year. Aku is drafted. I guess. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's, he's no. Been... Okay. I was. I was under the impression we were talking about the youngster. Oh yeah. No youngster. Uh, youngsters draft stock just keeps getting worse. Yeah. Every, every time he hits the ice, he's went from first overall to probably drifting outside my top ten. But that's um that's that's a conversation for another day. Of yeah, we'll have you. We'll have you on another episode for yeah. sure, talking about uh, next year's draft. Yeah, but um. Finland, like Finland's a sneaky good team. They're always, they're always good. And that's a game that I get a ner- little nervous about for Canada, just in the New Year's Eve game. They could cruise all they want through the other teams. And then they screw up that Finland game and they've got a deathly quarterfinal matchup on the other side. So we'll see what happens there. But in terms of pool A, like my prediction, obviously Canada won Finland two. And then from there on, I had Germany finishing third and then Slovakia fourth, Switzerland five. But, um, with like I, I just don't know about this German team now. Just I don't know what the positive tests are gonna. Ha- I, I don't know what's gonna happen at this point. I'm gonna, but I'm just as a placeholder. I'm gonna say that they still beat Switzerland. I think Switzerland has brought over just a just an awful team. Um, I like I don't like what they've done. <laughs> like I, I don't think they had a great team at all to, to start with. Um, got a couple of decent players, uh, obviously Niagara Ice Dog, Giancarlo Shanton, uh, Noah Meyer. No, <laughs> Noah Meyer. They brought a young team over. Like it's, it's not bad. Simon Knack. Like they, they've got a couple, but it's like this team should probably finish fifth. Like when I consider that, like Germany has still has Tim Stutzla, JJ Paterka, like some like high end talent on that team. I would, fe- I feel as though the high end talent should carry Germany over them. But I just don't know what it's going to look like with COVID. Like if Tim Stutzla has COVID, then no. Like then, <laughs> then it's it's up to up for grabs. But if the top players are playing for Germany, I'd say they probably get fourth, and then Slovakia can grab the third the third spot. Uh, and then Pool B, 
is a complete mess at the top. I have no idea between the U.S. Sweden, I think this is uh, this is by far going to be the more interesting pool in my opinion. Oh, easily. Oh, 100%. Yeah, we talk about that top three all day, but like we, we also forget like the Czech Republic are not a, like not afraid to upset any of those top three teams at all. Like we could we could see a they beat real, Russia last year. Yeah, we could see a real mess in pool B. I feel bad for Austria to be honest. I think they're going to be the boat like the punching bag of that pool. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it could very well come down to who beats Austria by the most in terms exactly of, like, exactly in terms of ranking in that case who beats up on them the but, most who keeps it close. But like in terms of those four over there, my like personal prediction, I've got Russia on top. I think Askarov's coming with an absolute chip on his shoulder that I am so frightened to play against. I, he's unbelievable. He's playing so well. Got rush on, and they've got their talent. Like the defense is a little weak, but the forward forward core is great. Um, well organized. They're a typical like Russian team, well structured, uh, nice and deep. They play play the same game that you expect them to do. Um, Sweden and the U.S. is a toss up. I'd like to say the U.S. I think they're deep enough. I think Spencer Knight. Spencer Knight. I think Spencer Knight's good. I think it's his crease. I think he's going to come in and play a little bit better than he did last tournament. He was okay last tournament, but he wasn't fantastic. I think he's going to going to get another nice redemption shot here. But the key in that group between those four, te- I'm going to focus on the three. I'm going to say hypothetically the Czechs finish fourth. Hypothetically, yeah, which I, I think makes, is that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think is the popular choice at this point. Yeah. We're going to assume that until they beat one of the top three teams. Yes, uh, of course. Game, but we'll assume that they finish fourth. Um, but between the three, I think the goal has got to be top two on, on that side. Because if you're top two, you should safely avoid Canada and Finland. Like, I don't see, a, a like, knocking on wood, I do not see a world that Canada and Finland don't finish top two in Pool A. It just seems too safe. Like, I don't think Switzerland, Slovakia, or Germany has a team good enough to beat any of Finland or Canada. So, in terms of crossover, you do not want to be that third-place team and play Finland because that's a dangerous quarterfinal. Like, if you're if you're the U.S. or even, like, any of those teams, with the exception, I think Russia would handle them. But if you're U.S. or Sweden, like, you don't want to play Finland in that too. And you really don't want to mess up and go and drop behind the checks and get fourth and play Canada in the crossover. That is as a Canadian fan, like my worst nightmare. I don't want the checks to beat any of them. I want yeah. the checks to just cruise right under. If they lose to Austria, that'd be sweet, but they won't. <laughs> so yeah. if they can do, if they can just finish fourth, that is the best possible scenario for Canada. I'm nervous that the Czechs are going to upset one of those teams. One of them is going to fall to the four and Canada is going to have to play one of Sweden, us or Russia in the quarterfinal. That's my biggest worry about that pool. Like I would so much rather be in that pool in the group of death than be in the other one, because like no matter what you no matter what Canada does in this pool, the other pool could just go nuts and ruin them. In the, in the quarterfinal, like all you yeah. need is one Czech Republic upset and it's like a bad scenario for them. But yeah, that's, that's what I'm looking at. So if I'm going to make my prediction and say pool A is clear, like Canada, Finland, and then let's go Slovakia, Germany, Switzerland. And then in the other pool, I'm going to say Russia on top, US two, Sweden three, Czechs four, and Austria five. Yeah. Like I think the thing too with Russia this year, because like they always kind of have like a sneaky good team because most people don't know about a lot of their prospects. 
because they never see them play. Mm-hmm. But they have, and I mentioned this before in another episode, like they have a new coach this year too. Yeah, it's not Valeri Brogan, right? Right, and Valeri Brogan, he usually just rolls four lines evenly, which is does not make any sense whatsoever. I, I like, why? So they have <laughs> Igor Larionov this year, who is like a pretty good player. Mm-hmm. And he seems to be more modern in his approach. So I'm curious to see how they deploy their guys. And I think if they do a more standard kind of top six, bottom six, type deployment like i think that team can be really dangerous and with askarov and that like anything you know he can just steal games for them yeah Um, i was talking i was talking earlier about that because we were talking about canada's great offense and how the goalies are lacking and i was like well all it takes in that russian game is askarov to put a nice 50 piece up which he's very capable of doing and russia to pot three goals past our past the mediocre goaltending that's game over that's it. It's it's definitely like as much as we talk about Canada having like 20 first round picks, it's not like it's not outright their tournament. It's not gonna be easy. No, 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 no. Not at all. There's there's a lot of talent, and like the teams like Canada's so deep, which is great, but that doesn't necessarily like guarantee them wins. Like that, like like you said, like the like the Goaltending is not great on Canada, but the, the goaltending is great on a lot of other teams. Like Spencer Knight for the U.S., Askarov for the Russians, Blomkvist for the for the Finns. The Swedes have three good ones in Almfeld, Wallstead, and Klang. I like, really want to see Wallstead. I, I know I, he probably won't play, but like I would love that. I think it's going to be Almfeld, but I would love Wallstead as well. But I think it's going to be Almfeld for that. Yeah, would... Klang's good. Yeah. Uh, they're all yeah. good. Yeah. Like, and then, yeah, that, that's the one that is a little scary for me in that just knowing that Canada is that much weaker than everyone else in goaltended. Um, mind you, Panthers prospect Devin Levi has looked fantastic in camp so far. Because he's I mean, so good. The, the Panthers legitimately have a shot at having two of the 10 starters be in their in their farm system. Absolutely. Like that's, that's impressive. Absolutely. I, I think Levi's got the job on starting day for Canada and Spencer Knight obviously has the job for the U S right now. So that's great for Panthers fans. Yeah. I mean, the thing for me though, like with Canada's goaltending is that like, it's usually a letdown. It is. It really so, is. So like, I, I expect that like their goaltending always kills them in this tournament. Like, pretty much every year like even last year like they had nico dawes start and that did not go great but then joel hofer was just awesome so like i kind of never like there's like there's a very real chance like one of these guys who like none of them are big name prospects at the moment there's a chance one of them steps up like i'm hoping we see that and i'm hoping it's levi but you never know right now it, it doesn't look great the strategy for Canada when it comes to world juniors, specifically around goaltending, is that we are good enough offensively and even like the defensive core is so strong this year, too. Like, this team is so good that we just need one of these goalies. They don't even need to play great, they just need to play good. Like, put up a 9 15 and just like on 25 shots, let in two to three goals. And that, uh, and the offense should should carry 
at that point. Canada's offense should be scoring three or four. The problem is when you run into a hot goalie like like Askarov or someone like that, you're going to need your goaltending to kind of hold you in a little bit more. But they just simply ride the hot hand. Like, if Devin Levi gets to start, like, odds are, like, with Canada's track record, does that mean he's going to finish the tournament? Like, on like maybe, but they don't usually roll the same guy the entire time. So, uh, unless there's a, like, a clear starter. But in this case, I see three guys that – are all just pretty good goalies. Not, I shouldn't even say they're decent goalies um, with, with some mediocre upside and they're all looking to prove, like prove their worth in this case. So no matter who's going to start, they're looking like Canada's going to ride the hot hand. And if it doesn't work for a game, they're flipping it immediately. And then yeah. until they find someone, and then once they find someone, they're going to roll it until it stops working. So that's, that's what they're going to roll with. Yeah, yeah, and I think I, I think Canada has a really really smart coaching staff this year, mm. um, and that's always something that's hit or miss with the team. Like we saw last year with the with Hunter, um, that was great, but with Tim Hunter the year before, not what great. You not like but, about Tim Hunter, Mister uh, Quebec man. <laughs> <laughs> who, did, who did he not play? <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. He didn't play Lafreniere, and Lafreniere was the best player on that team. No. I, he was I'm, the youngest. He was the youngest, but you guys know this. I'm very, very high on Lafreniere. I think he's legitimately going to be the next, like, maybe not McDavid's level, but I think he's going to be, like, top three like nhl players yeah i'm a little lower on lafreniere i know you are i know you two are but i'm not low on him i just don't think no yeah i'm not low i'm lower i'm not yeah i put him on a similar level like honestly to like barkov like that kind of like like good like an everyday superstar and should be an all-star in the league but like i wouldn't say he's like generational talent i kind of like when i watch him play i kind of see like anthony declare that's that is high praise panther fans high praise for alexi lafreniere yeah like that's just the kind of play i see i I do think he's like legitimately good in if we look at a winger like but also coming back to the original point of him not playing lafreniere yeah that's not so much like of course that bothered me because i really think that he should have given more of an opportunity and I mean, it is what it is. He came back the next year and he was tournament MVP. No big deal. Um, and he got injured and didn't even play. But he was okay. Tim Hunt. Oh my God. Tim Hunter was not able to adapt to the tournament. We're talking about a tournament that's very short. You're not playing a full season here. Very short tournament. You have to adapt fast. And Tim Hunter wasn't able to do that. I mean, the power play was abysmal truly horrifying numbers for that power that team canada power play that was, that was big, okay that was okay wasn't great no stop it, it was great. terrible yeah. <laughs> what's the thing like in this like tournament too like even like if you're a good team at some point you're probably gonna face some kind of adversity and like how you move on from that really determines your fate i mean like obviously like team sweet and like they have their streak of always winning in the group stage like never it losing. Ends now it ends. Now it probably ends. Now I think. I, like I, I think it does. I'm Barker. You clearly do too. <laughs> but like, 
So they never experience that in the group stage and then they get out of the group stage and then usually something happens and it's just, it's over for them. So I'm, yeah, I think this coaching staff though with Canada will do a better job with that than some other mm. staffs in years past. No, this whole tournament's going to be just about riding the hot hand. It always has been when it comes to small, like smaller tournaments, like those that are short, like, and that, that was my point with the goaltending. Like, I, I truly do believe Devin Levi will start this tournament for Canada. Um, and if he does, like, he automatically, when it comes to, like, his, like job security, it's, it's not secure at all. Like, when it comes to Canadian goaltending, like, if he has one – Canada opens up against Germany, still, allegedly, <laughs> on, the, <laughs> on the 26th. We're allegedly opening up against Germany. If that game is unnecessarily close, even honestly, like if it's like eight three, eight four, like where where Germany puts a puts a, like a few goals past Levi, uh, like he's probably getting rolled for the next game. Like I wouldn't be surprised if they tried out a few, especially early on, like with those three teams, like um, like Switzerland, Slovakia, Germany, right away. Would not be surprised if they went one goal each. Uh, I personally wouldn't, but like Levi, like, Levi's got a target on his back right away from those from Gauthier and from uh, Garand. We both want to yeah. play, and like you saw last year, Dawes screwed up once against Russia. He was bad against Russia, and then Hofer took the net and rode it for the rest of the tournament. So that's it, all- like Dawes wasn't great against the U.S. either, but they won the game. That's it. Like yeah, right? but like, but even if you win a game and your goalie's not great, like I think you should make the adjustment when you're not a hundred percent sure of who's, you know, who's your best guy. And like, also I should know, like, I really like Dylan Grant too. Like I've been so high on that guy. So I I would love to see him play too. But like, I think in the past too, like sometimes the Canadian coaching staff has waited like a game too long to make that switch, Mm -hmm. Uh, which is just something they can't afford to do with the group that they're bringing. No, not at all. Like, they the big one for them is going to be like can they afford to kind of play around with their goalies during pool play yeah well during the first three games in pool play but you got to get it right for the finland game and you've really got to get it right for that quarterfinal especially if it's going to be against one of those big three teams because if they mess it up then it could be in some serious trouble and like for this canadian team it is fully like i know he said like it is possible for them to get knocked off by any of these other teams, but it is fully gold or bust for this Canadian team with the amount of first round picks, with the amount of hype around this team, it is fully gold medal or bust for them. Any, any result below that is will be deemed a failure by them, by this team. Mm-hmm. Like the pressure's on from the start and they need to get that goaltending situation at least like solid. And I think it's good that they have the three games to kind of get it and figure it out against Germany, Slovakia, and Switzerland. They'll have some time to figure that out. But if they don't get it right for the Finland game or for the like for the quarterfinal, like they could be in some danger of ending up a, a very bad quarterfinal upset. That that would be a shocking upset. Yeah, I mean, like I remember, like when they lost, like when they were playing Victoria and Vancouver, and. Uh... Was it Comtois who missed the penalty shot? It yes. was. And then got cyber bullied online. 
Allegedly. Was... <laughs> Allegedly. It's <laughs> <laughs> still up on his Instagram. <laughs> yeah, it probably is. Yeah, like that's the thing. Like, like Canada's probably the team that was helped out the most by the NHL not playing right now. Like a lot of the guys they have, they wouldn't have otherwise. Like they wouldn't have Byfield, they wouldn't have Cousins, they wouldn't have Doc. So, Byram drives. Uh, probably drives though. Byram they wouldn't have. Yeah, so a, a lot of guys, um, really boosting them. Like other teams, like like the USA, like they didn't get Nick Robertson. Um, huge which, loss. Huge loss. Huge loss. Thank goodness they still have Cole Caulfield. They're. Uh, I heard they're a little. Um, Canadian fans are a little upset that the Rangers uh, did not release Lafreniere. I I don't understand how you can be upset. Apparently, our roster is not good enough with Lafreniere on it. Yeah, I know. I was even talking to like like Sully, like my roommate, about it, and he was upset about it. And it was like, man, like he won, like he won everything last year. Like, what's he got left to prove in that tournament? Yeah, and like if you're the Rangers, like protect your asset. Exactly. That's that. That's my main concern. Is like, why would you like argue with a team that's just protecting themselves? I, as a Canadian, I absolutely hate the argument that a lot of Canadians like to make up that American teams don't want to see Canada do like be successful. Like when when Lafreniere was not released, when it was like when the Rangers put out that Lafreniere would not be released. If you read the comment section. Of that, it was all Canadians being like, oh, like typical U.S. franchise not wanting Canada to win. I'm like, that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Like, why would what? Why would they have a personal indictment around Team Canada for Alexi Lafreniere? <laughs> like, that doesn't make any sense. It's just an argument that always happens every single year. There's one team that, like, we don't – there was Noah Dobson last year for the World Juniors with the Islanders. Oh, no. Say, like, oh no, not Noah but Dobson. That Imagine. was different, man. I I I was upset at the Islanders for that one because you look at Noah Dobson. I don't even think he played like two games in the span that the World Juniors were happening. He was playing. What? Like he did not play a full season. He played like he was not used a lot by Bruce Boudreaux. Not Bruce yeah. Boudreaux. Um, fuck. Uh, what's his name? Um, Trotz. Barry Trotz. Yeah. Yeah, he wasn't used a ton. I remember, you know, the worst one was was when it was uh, Leon Dreisaitl with the Oilers. And the Oilers, he was struggling at Edmonton. They refused to send him to the World Juniors. And then immediately after, they sent him back to Kelowna. Exactly. That was the year they went to the Memorial Cup. Yeah, that that one hurts. I I feel like, and Germany got relegated. Like when it comes to like a Canadian, when it comes to a Canada, like, do we need Lafreniere this year? No, not at all. Like, I mean, he would guarantee the gold medal, in my like, opinion. If we had Lafreniere, that Canadian team would be so unbelievably unfair. It would be like, it would be stupid. Like, that is like, it would be completely stupid to have. So, like, yeah. At this point, it's like, do we need him? But when it comes to a guy like Drysidle, especially in the situation that Edmonton was and the situation that Germany is, like, they, they the- really needed him. Like those smaller <laughs> countries, like they need their stars. Like, <laughs> like imagine if Marco Rossi didn't get released this year by Minnesota. Be devastating. And then didn't make the team. Yeah, this Austria team is like a devastating team if they don't if they don't get Rossi. Like that's 
like they were probably going to get relegated anyways, but Rossi will at least give them like a fighting chance against Switzerland yeah. in, that, in that game, if there is a relegation. And the thing with like the Rangers and Lafreniere too is like, I'm assuming like you're not making that decision without like the player being okay with it. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I assume like it's all good with Lafreniere and he did win last year. So that that's not- my thing. He won last year. Yeah. And he yeah, won like, everything. He won MVP. He won top forward, like led the tournament, gold medal. Like there's literally nothing he can do, get out of this tournament that he hasn't already gotten. And he has to go live in a bubble. Like in Edmonton. <laughs> he has to go to in winter. <laughs> he has to go to Canada. That sucks. <laughs> That's, so cold. Well, he's in New York living it up with Noah. Exactly. So, I mean, the, the choice is easy, really. Um, cool. couple more things I want to talk about. One was there's uh, a few players in this draft that are in this uh, tournament that are draft eligible coming up. Which ones are you looking forward to watching? There aren't, to be honest, there aren't like a, a ton of big names that are draft eligible. In there's this. like two, kind of. Okay, then uh, talk about the entire well, Swiss team. <laughs> The entire Swiss team is 2021. No, they the Swiss brought over a young team, which is exciting, uh, but could not pay off for them. Depend. They got to play their cards. They got to play their cards carefully here because if they get relegated and then all those guys are in D1, like they'll come right back up. But still, like that's that's. But they're big... they're they're losing out on a season, basically. Yeah, like that's that's not. Likely, I I I got to find out whether there is relegation because that's actually a really. Good... I I honestly. Don't see how there can be. If there's not a D1A tournament going on right now, like unless they take like the second place team from last year, nah, that doesn't seem fair. Like I don't, I don't know about that. I mean, if there's not relegation, you could have just cut this tournament in like half. Yeah, we should just <laughs> like, like I don't want to be mean, but like there's a couple of teams here. It's like Austria you're not, not going to get relegated, yeah. but you're probably not winning. Let's just, probably okay, not. So let's do a top six then. Just cut it like the like top five plus the checks, and that's it. We'll do two pools. We'll of- do top five, and they'll be able to um like have an expansion draft to draft like uh Austrian, Swiss players, all that stuff. No, so, like, team team Europe. They should have done team, team Europe. Europe. Oh, team Europe. <laughs> team rest of Europe. Uh, oh, that'd be pretty funny. Hypothetically, if they do that thing where they promote the second place team, we would have Latvia coming up next year. So it's not like yes. Yeah, it makes sense. You, <laughs> it's not like it's not like we're promoting like Italy or something. No, like I mean, Belarus was one point off. <laughs> well, Bel- Belarus made has made the tournament. Belarus would have been fun. They're on the way up, man. I miss Kazakhstan. Yeah, Kazakhstan was awesome. They were so bad last year. <laughs> they were so bad. They were fun the first year they were up. They almost they were like they gave the U.S. a run for their money. Because they had a yeah. decent team that year, like they had they had a legitimately decent team in in that first year. That like like they had a couple like obviously not like great players like they but they stayed up for a reason. Like they they actually had some like solid guys on their team that could do something. But now they're just uh, a little um, a, a little weaker to say the least. When it comes to that, but man, I remember they like took Sweden. Like they lost to Sweden four one that year like that's not even bad 
they were down two nothing to Sweden before or to Finland before it got real ugly. So like that's a fun team to have. I want those kind of teams in the tournament where everyone just roots for them. Man. I guess it could be Austria. I think I might root for Slovakia. I'm just looking at it here. They have only two players who have been drafted. Everyone else is 2021 or 2022 draft eligible. Don't they have Samuel Halavaj? Yeah, draft eligible because he didn't get drafted. Yeah, like, okay, you got to be careful with those because the NHL puts all those guys at draft eligible, but a lot of them just didn't get drafted in the past and they're overagers. Yeah, like they have Naz. Oh, I'm not going to attempt these names. Daniel Nazco? Yeah, okay, nailed it. And then don't they have one forward? Yeah, it's uh, LA Kings. Yeah, Martin uh, Chromiak. Chromiak. Yeah, he played in um, Kingston. Yeah, that was it. With Shane Wright. Cut. No- cut from canada so close you're you're big on brant clark too right oh i'm huge on brant clark <laughs> huge i did not realize that he is related to graham clark that should have been something really? that, that is they're brothers i that's something i should have probably realized quicker because like the way that the name is spelled is it's something i maybe could have looked up there uh but yeah grant <laughs> clark is graham clark's younger brother nice way better so that's a uh, that's a fun little thing. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, Danil Chaika on Russia too. Who's? Oh yes, yeah, yeah. I forgot about Chaika. He's very good in my mind. I really like him. I wa- I've only watched. I watched him like two years ago in Guelph, and I haven't watched really much of him since. But I liked what I saw. I I consider him. I I think he gets better every time I watch him. Um, from what. I've seen like early games that I watched. He's like a kind of guy that looks like good at everything, great at nothing. Like just does everything well, but not like elite. At Doesn't anything. stand out. Yeah. Uh, but he keeps getting better. Uh, he's super reliable defensively. Uh, breakouts can be a little shaky. He's not always great at making that first pass. So that's going to be something that uh, we can watch for. I think he keeps getting better, though. That's the thing. Like Every time I watch him, I'm like, okay, and now he's a little bit better at doing that. Uh, fluent skater, though. He's nice and big. I think he's the first rounder this year. Probably top 25, top 20. Uh, so that's a good guy to watch. Really hoping Jesper Wallstead plays. That's the other one that we want to watch here. Yeah. Uh, third, the third goalie in a row has projected to be a first rounder after Florida's own Spencer Knight and then uh, missed the Askarov. Yes, Yaroslav Askarov. Um, but Wallstead is low-key projected to be the best. based on I, I would agree with that. Like, it's tough to say that after how good Yaroslav Askarov has been so yeah. far. Like, I, I question, like... I question that inside. I'm like, oh, like, can we really like say that? Then you look at the numbers that he puts up and you watch him play and you're like, you know what? He actually could be better. And that's scary to think about. Like he could be a top 10 pick this year. It wouldn't surprise me. They're talking about it. And they're even like some guys, just because of how like unbelievably open this draft is in the top like 15, I have no idea what the draft order is going to remotely look like right now. I mean, it's going to be a lot of defensemen for sure. Yeah, but even Which before, is, like, Kent Johnson looks good for Michigan. And, like, Matt Beneers, the U.S. guy that's playing in this tournament, he's looks he's looking very good as well. Yeah, I um, wonder how much playing time you'll get. 
There, he's he's getting uh, reps with um, Boldy and Caulfield right now. Oh, that's okay. So that's like, yeah. I, I want to watch him play for yeah, sure. He can actually end up playing like minutes if he's if he's with Caulfield and Boldy, assuming Caulfield is still considered a top. As player. as long as he feeds Debatable. Caulfield, as long as he feeds Caulfield, it just sounds like free assists. It sounds like they're really looking for Beneers to carry Caulfield. Is what I'm getting out of it. Like <laughs> they're looking for a guy who can just play drive and then just pass it to Caulfield for the finish. Yeah, which I think is exactly what's going to happen. I can't wait to watch him. Oh, no, it's fun. But, yeah, the, the draft is wide open next year. It's like, Beneers could be a top 15 pick. Um, Wallstead could even push. Like, I've seen people push him into the top five. So, like, he could he could be that high. I mean, we saw it with Askarov last year. Askarov got pushed into that conversation as well. I, I had him in my top five rankings. I was a little I there was a little bit of time there, even honestly, right up to when Ottawa picked at five. I thought it was a possibility that Ottawa took him there. That's that's who I had at five is Ottawa. Yeah. It, I would have been completely fine with it when you watch the way he plays. I'm like, oh my gosh, he's so good. Um so I would have been fine with it. But I mean Jake Sanderson, elite, elite, elite. I mean what else can you say? Not uh, elite. I, I I can think of a lot of things. I think oh. Jake Sanderson's like the defensive equivalent of like Cole Caulfield. I, I refuse to accept any sort of Jake Sanderson slander on this podcast. <laughs> Jake Sanderson. Well, it's like I, you know, I don't. I, I don't think Jake Sanderson's bad. I think Drysdale's better. I I feel like Drysdale may have more offensive upside than Sanderson does. I just feel like Sanderson just plays such a better, like, well-rounded game. Like, I like I I feel like we overvalue Drysdale's like defensive play. Like, it, it's not great. No. He's not reliable. No, and I would agree with that. And he is smaller. That's why I like him playing with Byram on that first pairing for Canada. Like, I think that's going to be a really exciting pairing because it allows – like, Byram's not a pure, like, stay-at-home defenseman either, but Byram's a a well-rounded guy who plays – like, I compare Sanderson Sanderson style kind of to what Byram gives you. I think Sanderson's a better skater, though. Yeah, like, Sanderson skates so well. It's it's so nice to watch, but – um. Yeah, like that. It's like that kind of play. So like it allows Drysdale to have a little bit more freedom on that first pairing, to like not be as like as worried defensively. But yeah, that's that's my one complaint. that's always been about Drysdale, uh, and I think Ottawa just loves our safe picks, especially inside the top five. Because that's not, what you want to do. Why not pick safe inside the top five? That's that's the way to do it. That's why you get those picks. I'm. I honestly would have been more upset with Sanderson. Like with that Sanderson pick, if I if Lucas Raymond was on the board there, oh, hundred percent. But because Raymond was off, I was like, eh, like the next best forward in my mind was probably like Rossi or Holtz or someone like that. It's like, oh yeah, like or Lindell. Uh, yes, honestly, but I knew Ottawa wasn't going to take Lindell no, <laughs> at five, so it was like, uh, if we're going to take one of those guys, I, I was a little nervous we we're going to take Jack Quinn at five, and I was like, okay, that would have been. I would have been upset with that. So yeah, I, yeah, I couldn't imagine taking Jack Quinn super high. I mean, if I was, if I'm a Buffalo fan, I'd be upset taking Jack Quinn over Marco Rossi. Imagine being so bad in Buffalo, like so, like such a bad franchise, get the eighth overall pick and take Jack Quinn. Like, no offense to Jack Quinn, but that's like a system player. Like he's like, <laughs> he's like, I like I, I love him. I love him. He's so much fun to watch. But, like, at eighth overall, like, Marco Rossi's just sitting right there. Yeah, like, I don't know how you – because you've clearly watched the 67s play a bunch. And I don't, know how, I don't know how you come away from that thinking, 
It's like, that screw guy. this Rossi guy. That guy. That's our guy. Like, unless their plan, unless their plan out of this is to put Jack Quinn directly with Jack Eichel and, like, just go with that, which is fair enough at that point. Like, that could Not actually, bad, not bad. Like, that could work out for them. Like, I, Eichel could finally have a line mate. Oh, I mean, first line of Hall, Quinn, and Eichel. Not bad. Where does where does that leave eight point five million dollar Jeff Skinner though? I'm uh, on Robodal Island. Is <laughs> where that leaves them. Well, the thing <laughs> is, like, like who do the Sabers have as like center prospects? Uh, Dylan Cousins. Oh sure. Who's that's that's, a, that's clearly a winger disguised as a center. <laughs> you could argue he's a winger. Well, what the argument that we had made? Uh, I'll give a shout out to my one of my guys at Dauber, uh, Sammy Turpak. The argument he made. Oh, yeah. Drafted Rossi, they could have put Rossi and Cousins on the same line and did the hybrid center thing where you take faceoffs on your strong side the whole time. Man. And then you can roll Rossi through the middle of the ice and Cousins on the wing, but then Cousins can come in and take the faceoffs on we, his strong we, side. We could honestly have a separate podcast on just yeah. what, what could have the Sabres have done better. Yeah, why, why would you do the hybrid center thing when you could take a system winger? I just. <laughs> The thought process is interesting for sure, and I mean, like, I don't think Casey Middlestat's the answer at two C. He's he's still he's still developing. Don't worry, he's coming. He's coming. He's listed as still developing. <laughs> he's a prospect. He is allegedly still developing. He was great at the World Juniors a few years ago. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, this tournament can be so misleading. Like, some guys just tear it up, and then like, like I'm still waiting for Philip Zadina to do something. I'm waiting for him to fill my net with pucks. Same with Noah. Yeah. I've been, te- he's, he promised a, a net full of pucks, and I'm just waiting for it. <laughs> oh, the, the Sabres have Eric Stahl. He's coming up the, the prospect pool. No, he's definitely like going to hit his peak pretty soon. So you, you definitely want to watch out for he's him. He's only one year removed from a 40 goal season. They're still paying 700, <laughs> they're still paying $790,000 to Cody Hodgson in their buyout deal. That's not bad. <laughs> that's a if you've bought a player out can you bring them back <laughs> they've, uh, they've got um yeah no it's casey middlestat that's that's, yeah, that's what i thought it was and dylan cousins that's, uh, and then uko pekka lukokinen and yeah i don't think he can play center no you can teach him like give him a couple months it's like Dustin, teaching Scotty Atterberg to play first base. Dustin Tokarski is still playing. They, he's still in the system. He's not on roster. He's in the Buffalo system now? Yeah, man. Another that's world junior legend. Yeah, oh, wait, like world junior legend that just didn't pan out. Yet. 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 <laughs> Yet. He's too small, though. That's the reality. He won it. I'm pretty sure he won a Memorial Cup, too. He's only 31. Which is young for a goalie. <laughs> That is young for a goalie. Bennington's like 28. <laughs> well, it's like more like Jake Allen was like Calder eligible for like a decade because he never met the threshold. <laughs> but he was always just in the conversation. He'll get it. He'll get it. Don't worry. Yeah, this, this season. going to do a roast of just all this. <laughs> yeah, it really has. Yeah, can you rebrand the podcast to – what what the Buffalo Sabres could have done differently. <laughs> Maybe we should get the guys from the Sabres podcast to hop on one episode. I heard uh, 
what's his name? Is uh, uh, Jason Botterill might be looking for work. Oh, bring him back. He's a pretty good hockey mind. I saw him. I remember I went to World Junior Camp last year when it was in Oakville, and I saw him talking to Pierre Dorian there, and I was like, wow. Those are two. Damn. Those they are had two. like Maybe yeah. Ottawa had like a janitor opening or something. Yeah, I'm sure Ottawa was talking, and, and it was like, man, we're both – we're two pretty successful franchises. They're probably – they're probably talking about uh, hotel accommodations for the draft lottery that year. If they're gonna, if they're gonna room together or not. I mean, they're trying to find. Have, they're trying to find the. <laughs> they don't just give those away. They're just, they're just trying to find um, a, a really nice golf course for uh, nice mid-May, go- uh, mid, early May golfing to just to uh, yeah. lay back and relax. You know what I'm saying? Oh, for sure. All I heard- those gorgeous Ottawa and Buffalo golf courses. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll make a suggestion to you guys. I think you guys should have Jared Shea on the podcast sometime, man. He's really- well, he's, he's he's coming on this episode for sure. Oh, sweet. Okay. Yeah, we yeah because we we ran out of time for him last week. Oh, okay, cool, cool. So cool. we're gonna have him on later. I know this episode's running a bit long. He he'll be on though. We'll uh, we'll make sure to have enough time for him because okay. he actually has some pretty pretty good takes about the the World Juniors this year. And I think he mentioned something about Austria being an upset. Uh, just gonna run train on that b group but i I'll, I'll let jared shea explain that yeah you should probably just let him do his own thing there in the theory yeah a great friend of the show for sure uh one other question though here i have for you jacob with regards to the world junior is who are your picks for goalie defenseman and forward of the tournament and tournament mvp Excellent question. Right out of the gate, some names that jump to the you know top of the list probably Spencer Knight, probably Anton Lindell, Casper Pudio, like Casper Pudio. But okay, yeah. you can't choose those guys because we know you were going to. I, yeah. I knew I was gonna choose Spencer Knight for goalie, uh, so I'm gonna go ahead and pick uh, Yaroslav Askarov. I am I am genuinely scared of him for this tournament. <laughs> I think Askarov is going to put up some freak numbers in this tournament and it's gonna be like ugly russia was my pick to win it man their their roster is built well i'm not a huge fan of the defense uh any defense that has shakir mccomadulin inside the top four is a scary and they got yan kuznetsov too i know you're you're, you love him (laughs) uconn baby uconn uh these, like that's not bad. It's just like I, I mean, like we always rip on these guys, but like reality is like they're good defensemen for World Juniors. But like, yes. yeah. I was like, um, we like rip on I, them like they suck. Yeah, like no, like they're good. Like, they're, they're very but, good. They're all very good. Still, like I like Daniel Chaika better than both of them. But like they, uh, like the defense is a little shaky. But like, yeah, like Rut Askarov, I, I would say is my my candidate for top goalie. My up my sleeper pick is Wallstead if he gets a start in Sweden, like, I think he could sneak in there as top goalie, depending on how far Sweden goes. Um, top defenseman. This is a bit of a toss up. Again, I feel like these like low key depend on like how good the team does. Very um, much so. Yeah. So, so like, it's tough to tell, but like just some candidates, like obviously if the U S go far, I feel like Jake Sanderson's gonna, gonna like play a big role on that team defensively. So I would say he's up there. Uh, for Canada, it could. Biased. For Canada, it's probably <laughs> it'll it'll be Byram or Drysdale, uh, like one of those guys there, I'd say. Um, but also, like Loki, I do love Justin Barron. I think he's had a great tournament. Like, not going to win top defender, but 
Uh, I, I think he's going to be really solid for Canada. Yeah, I, th- I think he's going to be really good. Um, so, yeah, I'd say probably Byram or Drysdale is a good candidate. Um, that Those are probably the big ones. And then, like, I, yeah, I wouldn't branch too far off any of the other ones. Like, probably – Sweden's got some good ones. Yeah, like, no, like, massive names on the back end. Like, Philip Broberg, I guess, maybe um, – yeah, Soderstrom had a good tournament last year. He did, yeah. Victor Soderstrom, maybe like that's a, that's a sleeper pick for for that. Broberg, I agree. Yeah, like yeah, Broberg uh, or Soderstrom. For, I like Helga Grons, but I don't know what role he's going to play. Like Emil Andre, like those guys that just got drafted. I just don't know what the role is going to be like. So I don't, I don't think I'd put them up there. They're more of a next year kind of. Yeah, but I, I would say like big candidates like Canada's obviously got the big the big names with that one, uh, but then. Like, uh, maybe Shakir, maybe. Really? <laughs> maybe. That's me trying to feed the Russian defenseman a bone. In that case, maybe. That's Shakir. you pandering to our Russian audience. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's for everyone in Russia there. Shakir, maybe. <laughs> if, he, <laughs> if the Russians hold and he blocks the game tie and shot with a second left with his face, then I would consider him for top defenseman um and then forward again forward is, it, it could so many options anyone on canada but i would say the favorites on canada like i think kirby doc could have a huge tournament that like guy's that, a beast yeah like i think kirby doc could have a huge tournament. i think he's got to be a favorite it, including the florida bias i still think anton lindell could have a really good tournament and if finland gets into like a semifinal or something like, something like that if they push i think anton lindell could have a big one um, to make the forward all-star group, I've got Tim Stutzla to make the forward all-star group, not to win top four because Germany won't go far enough in the tournament, but I think Stutzla is going to have a big tournament for Germany. Um, and then like, I'd be looking for one of Zegras or Turcotte on the U S to perform. Oh, and, uh, Sweden. I completely forgot about Sweden. Like Lucas Raymond or Alexander Holtz will be up there as well. hundred yeah. percent. They'll be up there. And then Russia, like, obviously you got you got to give something to like Vasily Pukolsen should have a huge tournament. Um, I'd be looking to, yeah, Amirov's there. Good. Okay, I wasn't sure. I didn't see his name there for a sec. Um, yeah, Rodion Amirov, Maple Leafs prospect, noted not defensive defenseman that they wanted at 15th overall, um, but I still think is an incredible forward prospect. Um, so I would say like those those are all guys. There's just so many forwards that it could be it, it'll probably be like whoever wins gold, it's gonna be their best forward at that point, because it, it could be any of them. Yeah, it depends. really could. It, it I think yeah, it really just depends on what team does best. Oh yeah. Oh, and you can't leave off Jan Mysak from the Czech Republic. Yeah. Elite hockey man. Yeah, what about you, Noah? Who are your picks? All right, so goalie. Well, I mean, my picks are pretty obvious. So goalie, Spencer Knight, Team USA. Obviously, he's going to crush it. Um, forward, I'm going to go with... Um, forward, I'm going to go with Anton Lindell. Wow. You have to, you have to keep it in the system. Um, For I, sure, I, respect I, that. I, I think Lundell can come up with a huge huge tournament like he has that potential 
Well, that's um, the thing. Like he and like Kirby Doc, like this is such like a step below for them. Like they both like Lindell has been playing against men and like crushing it, and Doc, you know, playing last year in the NHL. Like this should be light work. Exactly, and I guess defenseman. I guess I have to pick at least a Canadian player, right? Like that's just common sense. Um, I'm gonna go with Bowen Byram. Think he's gonna have a huge tournament. He got the A for Canada. Well, I, I like that pick. I like that pick. So excited to see. I think I think they're pretty reasonable picks. Uh, wouldn't be surprised to see Cole Caulfield kind of go for that that, that forward title. But I think Lindell's gonna gonna secure it. All right. Well, I'll give you my picks here. You guys went like pretty pretty standard. So I'm gonna go a bit off the board, as I usually do with some of my parlay picks every week usually going with the Jacksonville Jaguars no matter what no matter what although I didn't take them this week um so we'll start things off pretty pretty normal my goalie of the tournament pick I'm gonna pick Dylan Garand of Team Canada oh but low-key though low-key not a bad (laughs) pick I think, you know, if, if Levi gets the start and, and maybe he has a rough game against Germany or whoever, and Dylan Garand comes in, I mean, the guy's got cat-like reflexes, can stop anything. He's not big, doesn't have to be, gets it done. A lot of, you know, comparisons to Patrick Waugh or Hasek. That's kind of the vibe I get uh, from him, <laughs> you know similar size to Dustin Tokarski, world juniors legend. So that's my pick. Uh, defenseman of the tournament, couple guys I like. I do really like Broberg on Sweden. Uh, but for me, my pick here, it's got to be – I'm going to pick two because I'm just going to do that. And they're both from Team USA, and neither are Jake Sanderson. I'm going to take Cam York and Ryan Johnson, one of those two. I, I like the Cam York pick. I was waiting for you to drop that Tyler Clevin bomb. <laughs> I was gonna be like, wow, that hits different. I thought about it and then I thought no. So I went with York and I like I really like Ryan Johnson actually. Like I've seen him play a bunch, really well rounded. Cam York, super dynamic, didn't really ha- have much of an opportunity last year. Uh he's played pretty good so far this year, so I like him. And then for forward, there's a couple names out there. Uh, I really like Tim Stutzla. I probably would have taken Kirby Doc if you guys didn't already bring him up. And I feel like it's just not as fun to, to pick the same player. That's fair. That's fair. Um, with that said, there's a couple names here I'm thinking. Uh, but I'll go with... Noel Gunler. Noel yes. Gunler. Yes. Absolutely love it. Because Noel Gunler is, I think he's way better than people think he is, uh, obviously. Because, like, you go up against these top teams, like, in your Sweden, who's going to draw the most attention? Raymond and Holtz. And then who's wide open? Noel Gunler <laughs> to just feast on the other team's bottom six. And bottom four and the bottom pairing D, it's gonna be guy's gonna crush it. Dude. And I'm gonna say like this tournament, there's gonna be some Philip Forsberg comparisons. 
And that's some pretty big that's some pretty big takes. The harsh reality that I think people just haven't quite realized yet is that Noel Gunner was a top ten talent in this past draft. And that's like it's the thing is talent like talent alone, he's top ten, and I don't really think there's much of a debate around it. The issue is that his like whole like mentality is like top one hundred and fifty in the draft and which is the reason why he dropped because he's like incredibly lazy and that rubs a lot of people the wrong way when it comes to that. So he could very well flop, but he's kind of like, um, like Josh Hosang in that regard, like just so good, but just like the worst attitude, except I think he's going to piece it together better than Hosang. but you shouldn't sleep on Hosang as well. I think he's going to I like all- Josh Hosang too. Yeah, he's going to be an all-star. <laughs> What's the thing, like, Nola Gunner, like, all the reasons you said, like, why people are low on him, like, maybe not the hardest worker. Uh, obviously, you know, he hasn't – he's been cut from Team Sweden in the past. But, like, to me, like, a guy like that, like, there's just something that gets you fired up, like, playing for your country, right? And, like, in a tournament like this, like, I'm not saying Noel Gunner's going to be, like, the best pro out of this tournament. But, like, in a short tournament like this, and you just have that kind of talent and ability. And he gets to get hot. And if he gets hot, like, he has has just as much skill as, like, any of the top guys in this tournament. Like, it's not going to be a fluke if he he has a great tournament. It's not a fluke. It's just he had the talent and he finally pieced it together. Yeah. I also debated picking, like, Simon Holmstrom. But then I thought, no. Fair no. pick would have been Will Eklund if he was playing. Yeah. That's pick. really – that's disappointing that he's not. I know. He was having such a good campaign too. Yeah. Really? I also – I do really like Robbie Arventi as a pick too. I love that guy. He is He is very good. He was also known to have an alleged attitude issue, but I don't buy it. If he had an alleged attitude issue, why would – such a prestigious organization like Ottawa draft him. That's my and Ottawa has never had any attitude issues in that organization. Ottawa is notorious for not. It's, I I heard he was a I heard he was a lift guy. That's why. I I know I know I know that Yarvinty would not have been in that Uber. That's that's <laughs> like that's with one hundred percent certainty. Robbie Yarvinty would not have been in the Uber. No, because he was you know at the hotel two hours before already asleep. Exactly, man. He's he's sleeping. It's game night. Yeah, it's also Arizona. Yeah, also with my picks, my, my tournament MVP pick will be Dylan Garand, not only goalie of the uh, tournament MVP. That is true. I mean, that's that's basically and it's going to be unanimous, <laughs> and the entire country of Canada is going to rally behind this kid, and it's going to be awesome. <laughs> so that's uh, definitely going to happen. Yeah, I think we're going to have to – I'm not going to hold my breath on that one. My prediction, gold medal game, Canada, Russia. Canada wins one nothing. Both teams have 45-plus shots. And Canada no wins. Defense. Canada no wins defense. Canada wins Jack Quinn, assisted by Dylan Cousins' <laughs> play. And Buffalo Sabres fans go into a whole other atmosphere <laughs> around the team. That's going to be it. Right, it's exactly how it's gonna go. Usually, how these things do. That's that's exactly how it would be. I don't see another way around it. Yeah. And Marco Rossi plays 
Tim Stutzel's Germany in the bronze medal game and upset some. And like Sweden's relegated. <laughs> I've always thought about that. It's like, what would happen if like a top team got relegated? Tough. Like, I was a little nervous last year that Germany was going to get relegated. Like they dropped one of the games to Kazakhstan in that relegation. They went to a game three. And I was like, that's a little scary. Like I know Germany's not like considered a top team, but also like with the talent that they had on that team, like especially going into this year, like imagine Stutzla, Paterka, and Reichel. Like Reichel, I know had COVID, but imagine those three playing D one A. Yeah, it'd like, be that, disaster. That German team would come right back up and then get sent right back down again when all those guys are <laughs> <Yeah. out. laughs> Well, I mean, like, in, like, the Group B, like, you know, if, if, like, one of the USA, Sweden, or Russia drop a game to the Czechs and then losing a shootout to Austria, <laughs> next thing you know, you're playing Switzerland <laughs> for your chance to stay up. <laughs> the Swiss put up a, a real performance. <laughs> the Swiss just take both games to a shootout. We've got one nothing W's for Switzerland in shootouts. Both shootout goal game winners, Giancarlo Chanton. <laughs> oh, uh, it's a bold prediction, but it's probably what's going to happen. It's not far off, that's for sure. Definitely, yeah, be- definitely not far off. All right. Noah, you have anything else to talk about? No, I think uh, this is one of our longer episodes, actually. Every time we have Barksy on, it ends up being so long. <laughs> I think the last time he was on, it was like a 90-minute episode, which is about what this is going to be, too. It, it, we love having Barksy on, and uh, we still have Jared Shea to come up. Um, so Actually, uh, I'm just looking at the clock now. You're it not going to have time? It appears we've run out of time for oh, Jared man. Shea, uh, which is too bad. We'll have him on next week for sure. Um, we do have our holiday schedule coming up, so we'll be releasing, uh, we won't be releasing on New Year's and we won't be releasing on Christmas. Um, so fewer episodes we'll, coming up yeah. in the next couple weeks. We'll make sure, we'll make sure to have time for Jared on the episode just cause he, he, we really want to get him on in one of these episodes. Yeah, we definitely want to get him on and see, uh, you know, listen to some of his insights. One of the truly great hockey minds as is Barksy over here. Uh, Jacob, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate uh, you doing this. Hey, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's uh, it's always fun talking about man, the Florida Panthers and all all the others. We stuff. didn't really talk about the Panthers. <laughs> yeah, we, talked, we talked the fan. We talked about the Panthers enough. I think we talked about Anthony Declare for ten minutes and then talked about the World Juniors. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, we brought up the the Panthers prospects enough to justify it in my mind. <laughs> Honestly, probably more like more Panthers talk for sure than like our our episodes where we just do football parlays. <laughs> <laughs> so there there is that. We probably talked an equal amount about the Panthers and the Buffalo Sabres tonight. I think that's <laughs> probably our key. That was a nice little tangent where we just went off on their <laughs> prospect system. That's great. I'm sure any any of our fans from Buffalo, they'll love that. Um, but, yeah, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, thank you to all our listeners out there for tuning in. We appreciate all the support. We'll be back at some point with another episode, so stay tuned for that, and we will see you all then. 
set. Huberto moving in, waiting. Huberto the backhand. Center, Barkov looking to get a step on Mete. Barkov to the net. Barkov between the legs. Unbelievable. Did you just do that, Alexander Barkov? The pain.